This program is made possible by BibleWayMedia.org, overseen by the Uloga Church of Christ in Uloga, Oklahoma. You're listening to Opening the Scriptures with Don Boyd. Welcome to the program today. This is Don Boyd with the Moody Church of Christ. I want to welcome you to Opening the Scriptures. You know, a lot of the time we will read through the general rules that are found there in the book of Proverbs and do not think of the examples of the Proverbs that are being spoken about. Well, today I want to start a little bit of a series and we want to look at several of the Proverbs and then look at biblical examples of each one of these Proverbs. Now, I want to start out, the first point would be wisdom and instruction despised. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 is where the proverb is going to read. Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, the biblical example that we want to give is that of a fool who despised biblical instruction. And that is the foolish position of King Rehoboam. That is found over in 1 Kings chapter 12. And we're going to be looking at verses 1 uh, 1 through 16. 1 Kings chapter 12, verses 1 through 16. It says, And Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel were there to uh, come to Shechem to make him king. Well, this is after the death of Solomon there, chapter 11, verse 41 to 43. Verse 2 says, And it came to pass when Jeroboam the son of Nebat, who was yet in Egypt, heard of it, for he was fled from the presence of King Solomon, and Jeroboam dwelt in Egypt that they sent and called him, and Jeroboam and all the congregation of Israel came and spake unto Rehoboam, saying, Thy father made our yoke grievous. Now therefore make thou the grievous service of thy father and his heavy yoke which he put upon us lighter, and we will serve thee. And he said unto them, Depart yet for three days, then come again to me. And the people departed. And King Rehoboam, verse 6, consulted with the old men that stood before Solomon his father while he yet lived, and said, How do ye advise that I may answer this people? And they spake unto him, saying, If thou wilt be a servant unto this people this day, and will serve them, and answer them, and speak good words to them, then they will be thy servants forever. Verse 8. But he forsook the counsel of the old men which they had given him, and consulted with the young men that were grown up with him, and which stood before him. And he said unto them, What counsel give ye that we may answer this people, who have spoken to me, saying, Make the yoke which thy father did put upon us lighter? Verse 10, And the young men that were grown up with him spake unto him, saying, Thus shalt thou speak unto this people that spake unto thee, saying, Thy father made our yoke heavy, but make it thou it lighter unto us. Thus shalt thou say unto them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's loins. And now, whereas my father did laid you with a heavy yoke, 
I will add to your yoke. My father hath chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. A big difference there between the councils. Well, which one did King Rehoboam take? Verse 12. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day, as the king had appointed, saying, Come to me again the third day. And the king answered the people roughly, and forsook the old men's counsel that they gave him, and spake to them after the counsel of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, and I will add to your yoke. My father also chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. Wherefore the king hearkened not unto the people, for the cause was from the Lord, that he might perform his saying, which the Lord spake by Ahijah the Shilonite unto Jeroboam the son of Nebat. So when all Israel saw that the king hearkened not unto them, the people answered the king, saying, What portion have we in David? Neither have we inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel. Now see to thine own house, David. So Israel departed unto their tents. So right there we have Jeroboam rejecting the counsel of the old men. Now we see that this was from God, and that is because that Solomon had disobeyed God. He turned away from God back there in chapter 11. Chapter 11, verse 4 says, For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was, his, was the heart of David his father. And the Lord had stirred up various ones against Solomon there. And then verse 29 of chapter 11, 1 Kings, it says, And it came to pass that that time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem that the prophet Ahijah the Shilonite found him in the way and he had clad himself with a new garment and they too were alone in the field so what we're going to look at here is what was mentioned earlier where it talked about that the Lord brought to pass a thing which uh, had been told there to or by Ahijah to Jeroboam the son of Nebat now verse 30 of chapter 11 and Ahijah caught the new garment that was on him and rent it in twelve pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, Take thee ten pieces. For thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I will rend the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon and will give ten tribes to thee. So that's what he was talking about there. This was from God. But we see that King Rehoboam there rejected wise counsel. He went with counsel that would cause that land to divide into the southern tribes and the northern tribes. So wisdom and instruction despised. Now a second point we want to look at in the Proverbs is dealing with sinful enticements. Now we're going to look at three different examples in this. Two of them were disobedient. They didn't deal with the sinful enticements properly. And one was obedient. He dealt with the sinful enticement in the right way. 
But Proverbs chapter 1, verse 10 is where we want to find the proverb. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 10. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. All right, let's look at some biblical examples. Go to the book of Numbers, and we're going to look at the temptation and sin of Balaam. Numbers chapter 22, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 22. Numbers chapter 22, verses 1 through 22. It says, And the children of Israel set forward and pitched in the plains of Moab on this side Jordan by Jericho. And Balak the son of Zippor saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was sore afraid of the people, because they were many. And Moab was distressed because of the children of Israel. And Moab said unto the elders of Midian, Now shall this company lick up all that are round about us, as the ox licketh up grass of the field. And Balak the son of Zippor was king of the Moabites at that time. Verse 5. He sent therefore, or messengers therefore, to Balaam the son of Beor, to Pethor, which is by the river, the land of the children of his people, to call him, saying, Behold, there is a people come out from Egypt. Behold, they cover the face of the earth, and they abide over against me. Come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people, for they are too mighty for me. Peradventure I shall prevail that we may smite them, and that I may drive them out of the land. For I wot or know that he whom thou blessest is blessed, and he whom thou cursest is cursed. So just a little bit of commentary there. Balaam there was a prophet of God, apparently, because whoever he blessed was blessed, whoever he cursed was cursed. And Balak was afraid of the children of Israel, so he sent to Balaam here to curse these people so that he can destroy them. He wanted to defeat them because he knew that they were too strong for him. Now verse 7. And the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the rewards of divination in their hand. And they came to Balaam and spake unto him the words of Balak. And he said unto them, Lodge here this night, and I will bring you word again, as the Lord shall speak unto me and the princes of Moab abode with Balaam. <clears throat> and God came to Balaam and said, What men are these with thee? And Balaam said unto God, Balak the son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent unto me, saying, Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt which covereth the face of the earth. Come now, curse me them. Peradventure I shall be able to overcome them and drive them out. Verse 12. And God said unto Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. And Balaam rose up in the morning and said to the princes of Balak, Get you into your land, for the Lord refuseth to give me leave to go with you. All right, so there was an enticement. Give a little more speak talking here. 
There was an enticement there for Balaam to go with these men that were sent to him by Balak, but God told him not to go. And so far, dealing with this sinful enticement that was given to him, Balaam has so far done right. Well, let's look at verse 14 and following now. And the princes of Moab rose up, and they went unto Balak and said, Balaam refuseth to come with us. And Balak sent yet again princes more and more honorable than they. And they came to Balaam and said to him, Thus saith Balak, son of Zippor, Let nothing, I pray thee, hinder thee from coming unto me. For I will promote thee unto very great honor, and I will do whatsoever thou sayest unto me. Come therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people. So Balak now is sent word to Balaam, I'm going to promote you to great honor. I'm going to do for you what you want me to do for you. Come curse this people for me. Verse 18, Balaam answered and said unto the servants of Balak, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord, my God, to do less or more. So he's saying right there to them, I don't care what Balak offers me, I can't do any more than what God says. So, so far, so good. Now, verse 19. Now, therefore, I pray you, tarry ye also here this night, that I may know what the Lord will say unto me more. All right, so Balaam may be thinking here, uh, maybe God's changed his mind now. You know, that wealth and honor and promotion in society those are great temptations for people. People will do almost anything, or a lot of people will do almost anything to obtain these things that Balak was offering to Balaam. Well, verse 20, And God came to Balaam at night and said unto him, If the men come to call thee, rise up and go with them. But yet the word which I shall say unto thee, that shalt thou do. All right, notice the stipulations here that God sets forth. If they come to call thee, then you can rise up and go with them. But still you can't tell anything more than what I'm going to tell you. So what happened, verse 21, and Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his donkey and went with the princes of Moab. Do you notice what did not happen? They didn't come calling. Balaam just got up to go. See, he, he heard what God said, but he didn't hear what God said. He, did, he, he heard the words, but he did not hearken to them. He did not obey them. He just got up to go. Now what happened to him? Well, let's continue reading verse 22. And God's anger was kindled because he went. 
It didn't follow the stipulation that God had set forth. And the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon his donkey, and his two servants were with him. And the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand. And the donkey turned aside out of the way and went into the field. And Balaam smote the donkey to turn her into the way. See, Balaam didn't know what was taking place. The donkey did. Verse 24. But the angel of the Lord stood in a path of the vineyards, a wall being on this side and a wall on that side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself into the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall, and he smote her again. And the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right hand or to the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam, and Balaam's anger was kindled, and he smote the donkey with a staff. And the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she said to Balaam, What have I done unto thee that thou hast smitten me these three times? Now notice Balaam's reaction. He said to the donkey, If suddenly an animal that doesn't know how to speak starts talking to you, are you going to do like Balaam did? Oh, I'm going to talk back to you. <laughs> no, I think it'd be time to find a psychiatrist. Anyway, Balaam said to the donkey, Because thou hast mocked me, I would, would there were a sword in mine hand, for now I would kill thee. And the donkey said to Balaam, Am I not thy donkey upon which thou hast ridden ever since I was thine unto this day? Was I ever want to do so unto thee? And he said, Nay, still talking to the donkey. Verse 31, Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand. And he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. Now, what about this event? Go to 2 Peter chapter 2 with me. 2 Peter chapter 2. Verse 15 and 16. It says there, Which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. He was a greedy man. He wanted to get that wealth that Balak had promised him. That was the temptation. And we see what that temptation led to. It led to Balaam disobeying God. Now verse 16 of Second Peter 2. But was rebuked for his iniquity, the dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice, forbade the madness of the prophet. Well, you're looking there. You're looking at insanity. What happens to an individual who does not deal properly with sinful enticements? Now let's go look at another example. And this one is found in 1 Kings 13. 1 Kings 13, verses 1 down through verse 24. This is the disobedient prophet. 
It says, and this is the man of God that we're looking here, verse 1. And behold, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel. In Jeroboam, now this is the same Jeroboam that we looked at earlier whenever Ahijah the prophet had come to Jeroboam the son of Nebat. And he tore his garment and gave him them ten pieces. Well, now we have Jeroboam with those ten tribes, but he's changed so many things. He has not done anything that God would have him to do. Everything he's changed. He's changed the object of worship, the two golden calves. He's changed the priesthood, anybody that wanted to be a priest. He changed the time of the feast to a different time than what was done. It's all similar, but it's all totally different as well. So, behold, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel, and Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. One of those golden calves was at Bethel. Verse 2. And he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name, and upon thee shall he offer the priest to the high places that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. When you look at the timeline here, Josiah came about 350 years later than when this prophet prophesied against the altar as to what would happen. And that is Second Kings chapter 23. Verses 15 and 16. Now let's go to verse 3 here of chapter 13. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent, and the ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. And it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, which had cried against the altar in Bethel, that he put forth his hand from the altar, saying, Lay hold on him. And his hand, which he put forth against him, dried up, so that he could not pull it in again to him. The altar also was rent, and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign, which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. Verse 6, And the king answered and said to the man of God, Entreat now the face of the Lord thy God, and pray for me, that my hand may be restored me again. And the man of God besought the Lord, and the king's hand was restored him again, and became as it was before. And the king said to the man of God, Come home with me and refresh thyself, and I will give thee a reward. All right, there is a temptation. There is an enticement. Well, how did the man of God respond? Verse 8. And the man of God said unto the king, If thou wilt give me half thine house, I will not go in with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so it was charged me by the word of the Lord, saying, Eat no bread nor drink water, nor turn again by the same way that thou camest. So, his reaction, verse 10, so he went another way and returned not by the way that he came to Bethel. So right there, there was the enticement to sin. He had been commanded, don't drink water, don't eat anything, 
go home by a different way. But he said, I'll give you a reward and I'll feed you. Well, there was the enticement, but the man of God did not fall for that. Now, verse 11. Now there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. The words also, uh, the words which he had spoken to the king, them they told also to their father. So everything that he had said, everything that he had done, in particular, thinking about the words that he had said, that upon that altar, the men's, the priest's bones would be offered. Okay? Now verse 12. And their father said unto them, What way went he? For his sons had seen what way the man of God went, which came from Judah. And he said unto his sons, Saddle me the donkey. And they saddled him the donkey, and he rode thereon, and went after the man of God, and found him sitting under an oak. And he said unto him, Art thou the man of God that camest from Judah? And he said, I am. Then said he unto him, Come home with me and eat bread. There's another temptation, another enticement to sin. Well, verse 16. He said, I may not return with thee, nor go in with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water with thee in this place, for it was told me, by the word of the Lord, thou shalt eat no bread, nor drink water there, nor turn again to go by the way that thou camest. So right now he's still holding strong to that. But what happens next? Verse, 20, verse 18. He said unto him, I am a prophet also as thou art. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee into thine house that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied unto him. He lied unto that young prophet there. Why would he lie? Well, you think about it. He had heard the words that that young man had said, that upon that altar, the priest that offered sacrifice on that altar, their bones would be burnt there. But see, here he gives him the enticement, but he also gives him a lie to help him believe the enticement. Kind of like the serpent and Eve and Adam. He lied to him. Verse 19, instead of inquiring of the Lord, what happened? He went back with him and did eat bread in his house and drank water. Well, verse 20. It came to pass as they sat at the table that the word of the Lord came to the prophet that brought him back. This is the old man. And he cried unto the man of God that came from Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord. For as much as thou hast disobeyed the mouth of the Lord and hast not kept the commandment which the Lord thy God commanded thee, but camest back and hast eaten bread and drunk water in the place of the which the Lord did say to thee, Eat no bread and drink no water. Thy carcass shall not come unto the sepulcher of thy fathers. 
Even though this young prophet believed a lie, he was still held responsible for his actions. That should tell us something, shouldn't it? Even though we may believe a lie that someone tells us and we act accordingly, we're still responsible for those actions. That young prophet there should have requested of God affirmation or not gone back. Because you think about it, that prophet there was a man who was offering sacrifice to false gods. And yet he believed him. Well, what happened to him? Well, verses 23 and 24, came to pass after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk that he saddled for him the donkey to wit for the prophet whom he had brought back. And when he was gone, a lion met him by the way and slew him and his carcass was cast in the way and the donkey stood by it. The lion stood also by the carcass. He was killed. He did not handle the enticement correctly. Now let's look at another example of dealing with sinful enticements. And this man dealt with the enticements properly. Let's go to the book of 1 Kings here, chapter 22, verses 1 to 14. And this is the steadfastness of Micaiah. So then they continued three years without war between Syria and Israel. And it came to pass in the third year that Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came down to the king of Israel. The king of Israel is Ahab. Now verse 3. And the king of Israel said unto his servants, Know ye that Ramoth and Gilead is ours, and we be still, and take it not out of the hand of the king of Syria. So in other words, the Assyrians had apparently come in and they had captured Ramoth and Gilead and the Israelites hadn't done anything about it. So he's telling them about it. Now verse 4. And he said unto Jehoshaphat, Wilt thou go with me to battle to Ramoth Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as thou art, and my people as thy people, my horses as thy horses. And Jehoshaphat said unto the king of Israel, Inquire, I pray thee, at the word of the Lord today. So Jehoshaphat, he had good sense about him. He was a godly man. And he says, We need to inquire of God to see if this is okay to do. Verse 6, Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 men, and said unto them, Shall I go against Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear? And they said, Go up, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. Verse 7, And Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord besides that we may inquire of him? You think Jehoshaphat was a little suspicious here? Think he might have, might have seen Ahab's yes men there and he said is, is, isn't there another prophet that we can talk to about this verse 8 and the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat there is yet one man Micaiah the son of Imla 
by whom we may inquire the Lord, but I hate him, for he doth not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say so. Well, why would Micaiah prophesy evil against Ahab? Well, because he was telling the truth. Those 400 prophets there, the 400 yes men that Ahab had, they weren't telling him the truth. Verse 9. Then the king of Israel called an officer and said, Hasten hither Micaiah the son of Imlah. And the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat the king of Judah sat each on his throne, having put on their robes in a void place in the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets prophesied before them. And Zedekiah the son of Canaanah made him horns of iron, and he said, Thus saith the Lord, With these shalt thou push the Syrians till thou hast consumed them. Uh, the word push there means gored. In other words, Ahab, you're going to gore. You're going to win over those Syrians. Verse 12, And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into the king's hand. So they're all still giving that affirmation. You go on up there, king. You're going to win it back. God's on your side. You think Ahab might have known a little better than that. Verse 13, And the messenger that was gone to call Micaiah spake unto him, saying, Behold now, the words of the prophets declare good unto the king with one mouth. Let thy word, I pray thee, be like the word of one of them, and speak that which is good. There's the enticement. There's the enticement. Micaiah, can't you just say, just this one time, uh, let the word be good for Ahab. Well, verse 14, Micaiah said, As the Lord liveth, what the Lord saith unto me, that will I speak. I'm not going to say anything God didn't tell me to say. Kind of like Balaam at the beginning, wasn't it? But there's the enticement. Verse 15, so he came to the king, and the king said unto him, Micaiah, shall we go against Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall we forbear? And he answered him, Go and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. Now, I've always wondered, how did he say that? Did he say it in a way that Ahab knew that it wasn't true? Did he say, uh, go prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. Well, the king said to him, verse 16, How many times shall I adjure thee that thou tell me nothing but that which is true in the name of the Lord? You think right there Ahab knew that his 400 prophets were not telling the truth? And he knew that Micaiah hadn't told him either. So he goes, tell me the truth. So Micaiah did. And he said, I saw all Israel scattered upon the hills as sheep that have not a shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let them return every man to his house in peace. 
And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell thee that he would prophesy no good concerning me but evil? I told you that's what he was going to do. But he told him the truth. But you see, Micaiah had the enticement to I'll just go along with everybody. Everybody else is saying it. Everybody else is doing it. So why don't you, Micaiah? Well, he resisted that sinful enticement and told the truth. Now, what happened to Micaiah? It says there, he said, Hear therefore the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing by him on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who shall persuade Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said on this manner and another said on that manner. And there came forth a spirit and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. And the Lord said unto him, Wherewith? And he said, I will go forth, and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, Thou shalt persuade him, and prevail also. Go forth and do so. How these things happen, I'm not even going to try to get into. <laughs> now verse 23. Now therefore, behold, the Lord hath put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these thy prophets, and the Lord hath spoken evil of thee. So right there, he goes, all your prophets are lying to you. Ahab knew that. Verse 24, But Zedekiah the son of Canaanah went near and smote Micaiah on the cheek and said, Which way went the Spirit of the Lord from me to speak unto thee? In other words, I'm not the one that's lying. You're the one that's lying. And Micaiah said, Behold, thou shalt see in that day when thou shalt go into an inner chamber to hide thyself. And the king of Israel said, Take Micaiah, carry him back to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus saith the king, Put this fellow in the prison and feed him with bread of affliction and with water of affliction until I come in peace. And Micaiah said, If thou return at all in peace, the Lord hath not spoken by me. And he said, Hearken, people, every one of you. So that enticement to sin, Micaiah didn't do it. He said several times there, This is what God said. This is what's going to happen. Well, what did happen? Drop down to verse 34. And a certain man drew a bow at adventure or adventure and smote the king of Israel between the joints of the harness, his armor there. Wherefore he said to the driver of his chariot, Turn thine hand and carry me out of the host, for I am wounded. And the battle increased that day, and the king was stayed up in his chariot against the Syrians and died at even. And the blood ran out of the wound into the midst of the chariot. Ahab did die. God did speak by the mouth of Micaiah. So there's three examples of dealing with sinful enticements. Balaam wanted it so bad he was willing to do anything that this obedient prophet believed a lie, yet he was responsible for disobeying God. 
And then you have the staunchness of Micaiah in standing up for what is right and what God said. Now let's look at another proverb. And this is the security of the godly. The security of the godly. Proverbs 3, 19 through 26. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 19 through 26. It says, The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth, by understanding hath he established the heavens. By this, by, by his knowledge, the depths are broken up and the clouds drop down the dew. My son, let not them depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. For they shall be life unto thy soul and grace unto thy neck. Then thou shalt, or then shalt thou walk in thy way safely, and thy foot shall not stumble. When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh. For the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. So that's the security of the godly. We look at one example here, and that's over in Genesis chapter 6. We're going to look at the preservation of Noah as an example. Genesis chapter 6, beginning in verse 5 through 9. <clears throat> It says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 9, these are the generations of Noah. This is his descent. This is his family. This is his history, in other words. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. God was going to destroy mankind with all the animals that had the breath of life in them. And yet, through the security of the godly, through a godly life, or because of a godly life, God, God's grace was extended to Noah because of the way that Noah was living. We drop down now just a little bit, and we, you could read verses 9 on down. It says here, I want to read 9 through 13 or 10 through 13, it says, And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Noah, I'm going to destroy mankind. But, verse 14, God's security for the godly. 
make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. He tells him the way to build the ark. He tells him the size to build the ark. He tells him how many levels to put in the ark. He tells him to put a window in the ark. He says, I, verse 17, And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and every living thing that is in the earth shall die. But with thee, verse 18, will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou, thy sons, and thy wife, and thy sons' wives with thee. And then he says, here's how I'm going to keep the animals alive. Verses 19 down to 21. Of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort, shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female. Of fowls after their kind, and of cattle after their kind, of creeping thing after the earth after his kind. Two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. So, the animals are coming to Noah. Noah didn't have to go out and gather them up. God is bringing them to him. Verse 21, And take thou unto thee all food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be food for thee and for them. Okay, so what was Noah's reaction to all this? This has got to be a shock to him. Now he can see the evil going on in the world around him, and God says, I'm going to destroy the world. I'm going to destroy the earth, those that have the breath of life. Well, verse 22, thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Noah was a righteous man. Noah was a godly man, and God preserved him. And because he preserved him and his family, we're here today. If Noah hadn't been a righteous man, we wouldn't be here to be reading all this and hearing all this. We wouldn't be here. Now, chapter 7, verse 1. After Noah did all that God commanded him, and the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou, and all thy house into the ark. For thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> Noah spent about a hundred years here preparing the ark. Because you drop back to chapter 5, verse 32, it says Noah was 500 years old, and Noah begat Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And then you drop over to chapter 7, verse 11, it says, In the 600th year of Noah, in the second month, the seventeenth day of the month, the same day where all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were open. So Noah spent a hundred years building this ark. And what did God say? Verse 1 of chapter 7, Come thou and all thine house into the ark. Noah built it. God didn't say, You deserve this. No. <laughs> God said, you can come in now. And isn't that what we want to hear on Judgment Day? We want to hear our king, the judge, Jesus Christ, that we know him as, say unto us, come, you blessed of my father.
inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the beginning of the world. So right there, God allowed Noah into the ark because he was righteous. And then drop down to Genesis chapter 1, verse 23. It says, And every living substance was destroyed which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle and the creeping things and the fowl of the heaven. And they were destroyed from the earth. And Noah only remained alive and they that were with him in the ark. So right there we have the security of the godly. Even though there had to be a tremendous rain coming down. The rain came down. The windows of heaven were open. The fountains of the great deep were broken up. Chapter 7, verse 11 and 12. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day where all the fountains of the great deep broke them up. And the windows of heaven were open, and the rain was upon the earth forty days and forty nights. And yet, as it said there in Proverbs chapter 3 that we read a while ago, Proverbs chapter 3, I'll get back over there to it now, where he said down there verses 19 to 26, but anyway, drop down here to verse 24, or verse 23, then shalt thou walk in thy way safely, and thy foot shall not stumble. When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked, when it cometh. For the Lord shall be thy confidence, and shall keep thy foot from being taken. So right there, Noah obeyed. God saved him and us. God sent his son to save us through his perfect sacrifice. Well, again, this is Don Boyd with the Moody Church of Christ. I want to thank you for tuning in to be with us today. And we look forward to having you be with us next time. When you're in Moody, Missouri, you're invited to visit the Moody Church of Christ, located on Highway E in Moody, Missouri. The congregation there meets on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Bible class, 11 a.m. for worship, and then again at 6 p.m. for Sunday evening worship. They also meet at 6 p.m. on Wednesday night for Bible study. We thank you for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Bible Media by visiting us at BibleWayMedia.org. You can also find us on several uh, social media platforms now. You can find us not only on Facebook, but you can also can find us on Tumblr. You can also find us on the Twitter alternative known as Telegram, and on the Facebook alternative known as MeWe. We hope you enjoyed this program. We hope you will share with others. And as always, we thank you for listening.